Welcome to We Hear Her. I am Erin Trenbeth Murray. And I am Jennifer Bean. We're here today with another amazing woman who's sharing her story and insights to lessons learned. Hi there, I'm Erin Trenbeth Murray, and thank you for joining us for the We Hear Her podcast through Women Who Succeed. Today, I am excited to get to sit down and chat with Madison Leminski. Oh, Madison Lemansky. Sorry. It's okay. Okay, ready? Yeah. Cut, Mark. Hi there, I'm Erin Trenbeth Murray, and thank you for joining us for the We Hear Her podcast on Women Who Succeed. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Madison Lemansky, who is a new friend that I feel like I have known for a lot of years, but actually it's only been maybe four or five months. But let me share with you a lot, a little bit about um, Maddie's background because it's really interesting and fascinating and I'm excited to dive in deep with her today and have a chat about women who succeed. So um, Madison brings a very diverse background of 17 years in fashion and production to the role of the Chief Operating Officer for She Place. In conjunction with her degree in Gender Studies, Madison's career in fashion has created a passion and expertise in both technical media and event production, as well as advocacy for deconstructing and reconstructing conventional gender roles and beauty standards. Madison has curated a number of high-profile events centered on re-emerging women's plus relationships to fashion and body image, and she's looking forward to continuing the work of breaking down old patriarchal structures that prevent women plus from living in their own bodies and the world. She has joined She Place, as, as I mentioned, was the Chief Operating Officer, with a deep commitment to providing resources for the advancement of Women Plus, owned businesses and individuals, creating a supportive and inclusive community for all, and moving the needle of gender equality and equity forward through financial wellness and intentional relationship building. So what a fascinating background, Maddie. Thanks for being here today and spending some time with us. I'm really looking forward to this. Of course, Erin. Thanks for asking me to join. It's been such a pleasure to get to know you these last few mm -hmm. months, and I feel like we've been friends for many years. I know, it does. Well, that, that happens when you, you know, connect with somebody right away. So first, though, I'd love to know and have you share with everyone a little bit about your, your background, because um, you're your background is just fascinating to me as we talked a little bit about the work you did in the fashion industry to production your advocacy work so um why don't you just share with us a little bit about where you came from and how you transitioned sure i mean my professional path goes back a long way so i don't know if you want me to start at the true beginning but I'm happy <laughs> where to. are you from originally uh, I grew up in Bountiful, Utah. That's right. Yeah, just That's north right. of Salt Lake City. I don't so. know why that was a blank for me when <laughs> I'm from Bountiful as well. Oh, that's right. I we forget that. forgot about that. Yeah, Bountiful. It's everyone uh, abroad was like, really? That's the name? It yeah. sounds like Pleasantville or something. And it kind, kind of, of is. Yeah, kind of is. Um, <laughs> kind of is. You know, but I had a beautiful childhood. You know, when I was very young, I had aspirations to become a model. And mm -hmm. my parents were supportive. You know, I would throw on my princess gowns yeah. and put on a fashion show and you know I just had dreams of becoming a model and they kind of you know patted me on the back were like sure Maddie that would be that would be cool yeah. and uh, so when I was about 10 I attended a scouting event uh, for models and these were really big uh, in the 90s uh, there's a, a lot of different programming that did this where they would bring in scouts from the modeling agencies uh -huh. 
and it would allow all of the agencies to see a big group of girls at one time. And so at that event, I think I got seven callbacks out oh, wow. of the 30 agencies that wow. were there. But they said, oh, you know, you know, maybe when you get braces and once you hit 5'5", five five, I think you'll have a lot of potential. And I remember um, Stacy Eastman scouted me for those that know old school fashion in Utah. And he was working a lot with Disney. And he said, just call me as soon as you're 5'5". Five five. And it's funny because I'm six feet now. And <laughs> I think I was 5'3 at age 10. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, you know, time passed on. I got braces. At 15 years old, I heard the same advertisement for that event. So I went back and did the whole process again, and I got 27 callbacks out of 30. Oh, my word. I got more callbacks there by anyone. For, oh, my word. I think by about 12 people, or excuse me, 12 agencies. Uh -huh. And so, you know, I was super overwhelmed. The gentleman there, um, his name is Aaron, sat me down. He's like, where do you want to be based? I just said, I don't even know what that means. I'm 15. He's like, New York. And I was like, yep, New York. Oh, my um, gosh. And so I actually went to New York City with my mom at 15 and met with all the agencies that called me back and signed with my mother agency. And uh, my modeling career kind of began there. So I traveled for about six years um, pretty consistently. And back then I did high school via fax. Um, and videotaping, I would pay some of my friends to film my math classes, and you know they'd send me the little tape, and I'd put it in my big tape, and I'd watch it on the VCR. In my little, yeah, VCR in my, oh New York my apartment, gosh. and uh, it was great. My grades were amazing because I could rewind the class if oh, I missed something. And um, anyway, so my teachers were extremely supportive. My parents were extremely supportive, and I really had a very unique teenage experience. Um, I moved to Europe when I was 16 and spent about four years there um, and just moved around to all of these different markets and had a pretty wild time. <laughs> uh, more wild than uh, I think my parents are ready to hear about yet. But, um, you know, it was a really, uh, it was a huge life-changing experience for me. I was able to see the world and you know, when you're modeling, you have to audition about 12 times a day, so you have 30 seconds oh to interact gosh. with someone and, you know, not only present yourself and your portfolio, but also create a relationship in a short amount of time so that someone would want to work with you. Connect quickly. Mm -hmm. Yes, so it was, you know, really changed my life and shaped who I am today. I think I'm such a people person because I've interacted with so many people in my life. Um, so fast forward to age 21, I moved home. All of my friends were in their junior year of college, and I had yet to begin. And um, you know, I thought maybe I should start going to school. And then slowly, some of my uh, local friends started connecting me with local clients and McCarty Talent Agency. And it never really occurred to me that I could model in Utah. I just kind of went straight to New York and Paris, and I didn't really realize there was a market here. And so. I uh, started pursuing modeling here, and quickly my modeling clients in Utah became my first production clients. So uh, mm. my very first client was Albert Chloe. It was a store on 15th and 15th. Mm. I don't know if you remember it. It was there before Thule and the yeah, bike shop, yeah, and yeah. a lot of other businesses have circled through. But um, I produced a fashion show for them uh, with the disclaimer that I'd never done it before, and they said, that's fine. They're like, that's okay. It's like, as long as you're hiring me, knowing that information, then I'll do it. Um, but at that point, I'd probably modeled in about 400 fashion shows. and so You had a pretty good idea. I kind of knew this rodeo went. what needed to happen. So, uh, yeah, 
my fashion show clients slowly turned into print clients. Then I got into video production. You know, at this point, I've produced a documentary and many music videos and worked with a lot of brands all over the world to create bespoke corporate events and create unique experiences. Like, I remember once I did a, a car unveiling for BMW and, you know, we hired models to host the clients and, you know, unveil the car and... Um, so I've been really fortunate to work with a huge variety of clients and uh, with my former business partner, Vanessa DePalma Wright, who owns Farasha. Mm -hmm. And uh, through Vanessa, I met Jackie, uh, oh, which brought me to She Place. She yeah. Well, tell me, let me ask you this. When you were 15, and I'm thinking you and your mom are going to New York, I'm thinking, how would I even navigate that? Was there anyone that was mentoring or guiding, guiding you and your mom as to you know, this is what happens, you go, you find a mother agency, you, you, you have some, you know, have your attorney review the contract. Was anyone walking you step by step or did you guys just figure it out as you went? A little bit of both. Mm -hmm. uh, Aaron Fitzgerald, the gentleman I mentioned, who yeah. was with Pro Scout at the time, he, I'm still in contact with him today and he really guided me through that project. He was the one that sat me down and said, okay, you need to be based in New York. These agencies are crap, don't bother going uh -huh. there. These are the good ones, you know, head into these offices yeah. and his advice was see who gives you the most excitement. You know, you're hiring them and I always share this with, you know, young models now that your agent is effectively your employee. You know, they're mm -hmm. there to get you work, not the other way around. And so that was really helpful just as an opening frame as we went out and started that process, but really it's kind of baptism by fire. We just learned as we went and my mom, I mean, was my biggest coach. Mm -hmm. You know, she never went upstairs to the castings with me because I was 15 and embarrassed. Sure. I, like, I don't want my mom here. Right. And so she would wait outside and oh. uh, just really coach me to, you know, show up and be confident and clear. And um, I would say my mom was my biggest mentor throughout mm, that time. I love that. Yeah. So now you mentioned when you give younger models advice. Tell me a little bit about roles that you've had in kind of mentoring or even organically or formally with mentoring younger women and what advice do you give them? And I'd love to hear, especially because in your bio we talk, and I've talked with you a little bit about this, about body image, about um, self-esteem. Mm -hmm. What advice do you give them? Well, I have to start by saying I think the industry has changed a lot since I was in it, even in the last, you know, I, I guess retired from modeling 12 years ago and a lot's changed in 12 years. And so I want to be honest and upfront that I feel like in some ways I don't fully understand what modeling is today compared mm. to what it was um, when I was yeah. doing it. But the biggest piece of advice I would give is, um, you know, the ability to hear no a hundred mm. times in a week, oh, I think yeah. is, I think people have to have thick skin to get into this industry and you'll hear no way more often than you hear yes. And so I, I rarely recommend it if, if someone I know is really self-conscious about their own physical body, you know, hair, skin, nails, all of those things really matter in mm -hmm. this industry. And as a teenage girl, those things are stressful anyway. Yeah. And so to have your income reflect your physical appearance just adds to the complexity. And, you know, nowadays everybody experiences that to a certain degree on Instagram. And so I think what I experienced as a model and what I think, you know, ballet dancers, dancers, anyone that relies on their physical body to make money, I think in a certain way, everyone is getting a taste of that through mm. social media. Mm. 
And so um, my biggest advice is to not take the nose personally that, you know, because I've now been a casting director dozens of times, you know, often we have, a, as a casting director, you have maybe a sample size of clothing and this is the only outfit you have to sell this brand and so you need a specific body type to fit the clothing. Or, you know, maybe you're targeting a certain demographic and so, you know, to not take the nose personally but to know you're just not what they're looking for. Right. And that is almost verbatim what my mom would tell me when I would cry because I didn't get the job. Um, you know, it's a specific niche that someone is trying to fill and if you don't fit it, that's fine. There'll be another client that you fit the niche for. Interesting. Tell me about that transition. Then you came back, you have a degree in gender studies. And oh, yes. what drew you to that? And then did that transition to She Place? So I found gender studies by total accident, actually. I was really, I love people and culture. And so I was actually going after an anthropology degree. Mm. Um, you know, I loved the humanities. I mm -hmm. just love human beings in general. And so I took an intro to gender studies class and it just, really changed my life um, in a really big way. It kind of took my own personal experience in fashion and in the beauty industry and made it less personal. Mm. Uh, it allowed me for the first time to see my own privilege um, because in the gender studies department we talk a lot about you know racism, ageism, mm -hmm. um, not just you know what it's like to be in a female body yeah. or a male body. Um, and so it really opened up my eyes uh, to the way I use my whiteness in the world, you know, to be a tall woman is also a privilege and has allowed me to get what I want in many situations. And so that was a really important moment for me. But um, yeah, it also just deeply influenced the way I saw the industry. You know, I felt that hunger as a young woman um, to see uh, more diverse representations of beauty. And as I got into production, you know, alongside my gender studies degree, I was in a position of power where I could influence, you know, who the clients were hiring and which clients I took on and, you know, if they'd be willing to put a burqa on the runway or mm -hmm. hire an 80-year-old woman for a beauty campaign. And so, uh, you know, it wasn't as popular back then. You know, Rihanna was not on the scene, yeah. <laughs> along with many others that have been breaking down uh, beauty stereotypes. But it really allowed me to, you know, enact those values in a real world way and encourage my clients to do the same and, you know, ask questions that felt dicey in the moment, but also were kind of obvious. Like, you know, for example, I was producing a photo shoot for a hotel and I noticed that in all of the business meetings there were no women. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I just said to the client, you know, I just asked the question, why are there no women in this business meeting? And they kind of, you know, looked at me a little shocked and yeah. floored, like, yeah. oh my gosh, I don't know, we haven't even noticed that. And so I think sometimes stereotypes are perpetuated uh, in a way that's a bit, you know, mindless. And so it, it allowed me to bring call some attention to how these decisions are being made because the media we take in as we all know greatly influences how we think and feel. I couldn't agree more. I just um, was looking at a publication from a college slash university in Utah which I will remain nameless <laughs> but I it was for a specific college um, and I was shocked as I was going through it it would be 10 or 12 men highlighted and then a single woman. Mm. 
And then I got to the end, and it was showing a picture of kind of the grad, a group of graduates, like saying, come here, come mm -hmm. to this college. And they were all young kids, looked so happy, you know, um, cheering in their cap and gowns, and there was not one person of color. Mm -hmm. And I was just really surprised how easily that could be overlooked in today's day and age. I mean, yeah. it's just, that's just not. You, the cognizance um, needs to be there and, the, and pointing it out to one another, as you did in that, in that photo shoot, I think is, is really important. Mm -hmm. You know, your work, talk to us a little bit about your work with She Place. Sure, I'd be I'd happy love to, to hear, have you share more about that with the, with the group. I'd be glad to. So, she Place was actually born out of a women's networking group that was called Utah Wonder Woman that started seven years ago. Uh, and that was started by Jackie Zayner, who's mm -hmm. our founder and my boss and a personal Wonder Woman who I love and hope everyone gets the chance to meet. Uh, Gerilyn Dreyfus, mm -hmm. Jennifer Danielson, mm -hmm. and David Parkinson. And when they started Utah Wonder Woman, they noticed there were no networking opportunities for women professionals especially people that were coming into Salt Lake City to take jobs. You know, Goldman Sachs has been a big influence yeah, in bringing yeah. more people into the city, especially with diverse backgrounds. And what they found is when people arrive, they have a difficulty making friends. Other professional mm -hmm. women don't really know where to go. So they started that uh, organization, and it was a quarterly event uh, where they would invite someone to speak about their success story mm -hmm. and just create some buzz and uh, inspiration and also an opportunity for women to gather and get to know one another. Yeah. And so when COVID hit, uh, Jackie really wanted to keep it going, but people were not doing in-person events. It wasn't safe yeah. or appropriate to do it at that time. And so she proposed to her co-founders, you know, let me take this over. I'm going to rebrand and make it a digital network. And so that was in May of 2021. Uh, we just relaunched as She Place, and we have just about 600 members right now on our online network. And we just believe wholeheartedly that our individual prosperity is tied to the prosperity of all other Women Plus. Mm -hmm. And we use Women Plus really specifically because we feel passionate about, passionate about including gender fluid individuals, mm -hmm. non-binary folks, any self-identifying woman or male ally that mm -hmm. supports our vision. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we've been in, uh, in business now since May of 2021. We're primarily an online network, uh, but we host events on a monthly basis. We also have an offering called She Money, mm -hmm. which is an article specifically on the topic of women and money, because we really believe that financial well-being is central to women's flourishing in this world. You know, if you have money, you can raise your family in the way that you want to do. You can travel. You can have time for self-care. Um, and money remains a big barrier for a lot of women to live the lives that they want to live. Huge barrier. I mean, we just saw Susan Madsen and her husband's work. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank on his name at the moment um, with their, their analysis of uh, the study where Utah was ranked in last that place. That Wallahub study, mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. I know, that was rough to read yet again. Yet again, here we are again. And so the financial stability is such a critical component and in that the, their findings um, and recommendations about um, women being able to afford and access health care, women um, I mean, there's just there were so many elements to it. How many were were making um, high income values in the, comparatively to men in Utah, 
just some and minimum wage. It was just over and over again. So if people haven't had a chance to to look at that that study, yes. that would be if important. If you go to uwlp.com, mm -hmm. you can find that study. I'm so grateful to Scott Anderson for commissioning mm -hmm. Dr. Madsen to further investigate that Wallet Hub report. Yep. Uh, because, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, I was trying to signal. Oh. Aaron, sorry. Oh, you're all good. Should we pause? Uh, yeah, if you just want to take it back. I was sure. Sorry, I tried to give you the five minute warning. And oh, five minutes? Oh my gosh, great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's my bad. No, no you're good. Fine. Okay, let's I'll see where we... Up. So I'll just say I'm so grateful to Scott Anderson. Start yeah. from there. Yes, yeah, so I'm so grateful to Scott Anderson, you know, president of Zion's Bank, for commissioning Dr. Matson mm -hmm. to further investigate that Wallet Hub report. And I have to say the numbers were really shocking to learn that only 5.9% of women in Utah make 100 grand or more, mm -hmm. and that's, you know, considered high income in this market where homes have gone up $150,000 in the last year, mm -hmm. um, you know, how are we supposed to flourish in this, uh, in those settings? It's just not possible um, to afford a home, to afford a great education yeah. for yourself or for your children if, if you're not making the money to do so. So she identified 10 potential solutions um, with the help of Scott Anderson and his team to improve our rating, but it's not just about the data and numbers. You know, we feel passionate about creating community, and I think if we can be with other inspiring women, learn from each other, share resources generously with one another, then, you know, all boats will rise. Mm -hmm. I love that. Share generously resources with other, and I think that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about She Place. We have the Women Who Succeed group, but there's, that's within the broader, um, network of the women that are on the SheePlace platform. People can go and look at SheePlace.com and learn more about, is it calm, isn't it? Yes, or is and it you know, perhaps I'll explain that just Please. a little bit because I know everyone is inundated with technology and so yeah. just a word about how that functions. Yes. So we are, our platform is on Mighty Networks, yeah. which is a woman-owned tech platform. We work really hard to use as many women-owned products as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it almost functions like a private Facebook group, mm -hmm. but it allows, instead of just a one-way channel of communication where we, the organization, are communi communicating with our members, it allows our members to communicate with one another and share, you know, you can pop on and mm -hmm. say, I know of this amazing event by the period project coming up, yep. everyone should come and support. And so one of our biggest challenges that we hear as we, you know, speak with women in the community is that everyone is kind of siloed off doing their own thing. And what we really aspire to do is to connect all of those networks mm -hmm. together so that we're all not starting from scratch, sure. but we can really build off of one another. And so we were so thrilled to have women who succeed join the platform mm -hmm. as your own private group. And so, you know, we don't dictate what goes on in your private group, but we're hosting you digitally. And so if you're a member of Women Who Succeed, you can have access to that private group, mm -hmm. but then you can also have access yeah. to the larger SheePlace community. So if you have something you want to share as a women-owned business, let's say you have an event coming up, you could go on and share that not only with Women Who Succeed, but with all of the members on the platform. Which so. I love because it's kind of like you've, you're a convener. 
There's so many amazing different women's groups across Utah. There are. And there is some definitely like, you know, board membership or something, you're sitting on more than one. They do have very, there are nuances to each one that there's a targeted group. Mm -hmm. But I love the idea of She Place as the convener kind of holding this round table um, so that we can all kind of be on the same page a little bit know, and be informed of what's going on. Yes, we feel passionate about amplifying the yes. work that's going on in the community. We know we can't do it all. Nobody can. And so if we can connect all of the amazing things that are happening, connect all of the amazing women plus that are doing great work uh, in this community, that's our number one goal. So one of the things that I've been really excited about is how much Women Who Succeed and She Place have been collaborating. And we've been talking about going forward into next year and how we can engage more women in moving forward with um, leadership and mentoring younger women. Women Who Succeed is right now, we're taking membership forms and mentee applications for the following year. And we have a conference planned May 14th of this year no, in partnership so with you and with the University of Utah, um, both with the School of Business and their Executive Ed Program and their Golf Strategic Leadership Center. Tell me what you're hoping comes out of the conference or what you're hoping that women will gain from being there that day. Well, I love opportunities for intergenerational learning. And so I think it's incredible that we'll be bringing together the mentees, the mentors to have you know group activities and then also have their own curated breakout sessions to attend. Um, but what I'm hoping we can achieve at that conference is, you know, she place will be offering a couple of breakout sessions mm -hmm. on the topic of money. Uh, I know you may have some other things in the mm -hmm. works that I may not be aware of yet, but uh, just to really encourage women to fully engage their financial resources. And I think to encourage that uh, conditioning from a very young age that, you know, the sooner you start, the better. And what I'm learning, you know, through Jackie and our team, Rose Masoner is a part of our team as well, what I'm learning from them about money is how much I wish I started all of this learning 15 years ago. You know, when I was young, I just swiped my card and it worked and I'd go on my way. <laughs> and that was about my extent of my financial knowledge. And and I just think we don't talk about money enough. And so I'm excited to have sessions to just talk about money and especially for these young women to get them thinking about this at an early age when it makes such a big difference. You know, the power of compounding is huge and the sooner you can start, the better. Bravo. Well, I have to tell you thank you so much, Maddie, for speaking today. Of course. Your personal you background and kind of where you've grown to, I just can't even wait to see what you do with the next 30 years of your career. Oh, you're so Because kind, you're going to be leading this community without a doubt. And I'll be in my, my walker in my <laughs> retirement center somewhere watching and saying, I knew Maddie oh my when gosh. she was young. You're so sweet. But I'm really proud of the work that you have done and that you are doing in the community. So thank you so much. Well, I'm sure we'll be reflecting together on a lot of accomplishments. You are a very busy woman, and I'm blown away by all you're oh, doing thanks. today. Well, thank you for joining us today for the We Hear Her podcast. Remember to look up She Place and uh, that's sponsored, or not sponsored, but the platform is Mighty Networks, ShePlace.com. ShePlace.com. Yes, mm -hmm. and um, we'd love to see you next time on our podcast. So thank you for joining. Thank you for taking time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more at womenwhosucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.